Today we start off a brand new series called Back to Basics. And, um, you know, I, I love church. I grew up in church. I'm a church kid. And, um, you know, you hear things in the church world, kind of the Christianese language. You know, it's kind of things that only Christians say. And um, they're always talking, you know, Christians are always talking about, you know, revival and, and the next great awakening and how God's going to reach, you know, the next world and, God, and God's going to do this and he's going to sweep and move and Lord send your fire and all these big, these big, huge terminologies. I believe in that. I believe that we're going to see a great awakening. I believe that we are going to see uh, God turn things around. And if we're living in the end times, I believe there's an outpouring of his spirit. Can I get an amen? I believe in all of that. But the, the problem that I see in it and many people see in it is this is the posture that most Christians have. They're wishing and waiting and hoping that it's all going to happen somewhere out there. God, we want to see a big, mighty move and we want to see this great, big work. And then they just sit on the sidelines hoping for it to happen. People say, God, I want you to move. And, and God's like, yeah, I want you to move. Are you with me? And then a lot of times we say, oh, God, we want you to do this big, mighty work. We want you to do this big kind of thing. And he's like, well, before we can do that, we got to handle some of the fundamentals. You got to do some of the basics. Uh, I've told you before that I got a golf coach and uh, I would love to go into the golf coach and say, hey, I I hope that you could teach me how to hit a pitching shot with some spin on it. And I want to be able to roll it back and draw my shot to do this and kind of stuff. You know, that all sounds good, but you you need some help in your, your basics. You need some help in the fundamentals. And I think as much as we, it's great, we have this great desire to see God move in revival and big fireways and all these kind of things, uh, it's important for us to make sure that we're understanding God's basics in our life. Paul said this in many of his writings. He said, hey, I know that you know this as he's writing to other churches and other believers. Hey, I know you guys know this stuff. You've heard it before. I know you know it. But I'm going to remind you. It's good that I remind you because we forget stuff. We lose our way. We have blind spots. And so we're launching a series as kids have gone back to school and our our new routines are all different. We're launching a series called Back to Basics. And it's like, what are some of the things that we can look at that stabilize our foundation? Amen. And so bust out your notepads and your phones and any way that you can take uh, notes and follow along. I believe that as you do that, God, God helps hide that in your heart a little bit more. Statistic tells you you have a higher retention rate when you take notes. So encourage you to do that. But let's pray before we jump into it. God, we love you so much. We're so grateful for the way that you love and lead us and speak to us. God, every person in this room and those watching online, God, I know that you have a word for them. Not my words, but your words. And, and so, God, I ask that you speak to each and every person today. And Lord, we ask that as we hear your word, we, we use it. We, we do something with it that we might not waste it. In Jesus' name, amen. One of the basics we got to get back to is a theme that you see in the Old Testament and you see it in the New Testament. And it's this idea that generations matter. They matter to God. They matter to your household structure. Uh, You see in the Old Testament, there was all sorts of instructions that said, hey, God delivered you. He set you free. He moved in your life. Uh, Now stack stones or build a monument or uh, even write a song or make a poem or do something that you're going to hand on to the next generation. Now, what a weird thing for God to give a, a command or an instruction or, or a, a, a thing to do, what, a to-do to say, hey, make sure that you, you have something that's going to be passed down to the generation. What a weird thing that would be if it didn't matter. Yeah. It matters to God. It matters to us that, we, that we're a people that say, hey, I know God wants to move. I know God wants to deliver. I know he wants to do great things. And in him doing that, I need to make sure that as I receive it, I get it on to the next generation. 
I hand it on to the next generation. Now, if you were here last week, uh, I preached a sermon on parenting, and uh, we looked at some things about what the scripture would say about how to parent and how to lead. And uh, this week is going to be another message talking about the next generation and leading those. But I don't want you to go, oh, we just heard a parenting sermon, and I don't have kids, or my kids are out of the house. I don't want you to boil this down to some kind of parenting or next generation. I want you to really get the, 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 the idea of for us to be and live and move as a body of Christ the way God has designed us to, we have to have a multi-generational concept. Can I get amen today? One of the basics, one of the foundations of the body of Christ is that we're a people who are discipling and raising up young people. We have to have that mindset. We, I grew up in a generation, and, and, the, and my grandpa has since passed on, and, and I'm not even saying this in an ill way, but uh, I literally heard these words as a teenager. My grandpa used to say, when us kids would be getting loud in the house, I would go over to visit grandma and grandpa would be getting loud. Maybe your grandpa said this too. He would say, hey, kids are meant to be seen, not heard. And it was like, oh, we better pipe down because we're, you know. And, uh, and there was this, this generation that used to say, hey, kids belong over there. They're, they're not gonna, And there was love and, and everything. I'm not saying it was anything ill. But I, I just hope that the church didn't say, hey, k- kids aren't meant to be heard or seen. Let's go put them over there in the kids' classroom. Let's give them Sunday school. Let's build them a student ministry. I was a youth pastor for about 10 years, maybe a little bit more. I've been in ministry full-time uh, almost 20 years. Again, half of that being to students. And even in that era, churches meant well of saying, hey, let's build student centers and let's, let's get some pool tables and video games and do all that kind of stuff. But it was still a way of saying, hey, keep that generation over there while we do our thing. How many are tracking with me? And, and no, if we're going to get back to, to raising the body of Christ and being the body of Christ the way God called us to, we must have a multi-generational mindset. It has to be a, a core, a basic of who we are. One of the ways that the enemy has tried to disrupt this and destroy this as he's pit the older generation against the younger generation. I've seen it more than I've ever seen it in the hour that we live now. Uh, when I was a youth pastor, you know, the older generation used to come up to me and they would say, hey, we're so glad uh, that you're here at this church and you're a youth pastor. And, and they would have hope in their eyes for the next generation. They would say, oh, they're going to go so much further than us. And, and they got bright in their eyes and we want to see them be all God has called them to be. And, and they would want to make sure that we're helping them and developing them. What can we do? And how can we make sure we see the next generation come up and go farther than us? Nowadays, I see a real annoyance from the older generation to the younger generation. And I can actually understand it. They look at the way some of the younger generation interacts in politics and some of the way the the young people interact in workplaces and some of the attitudes and mindsets that have been put out. And there's this very much like they're destroying what we work to build and they're just looking for handouts. And there's been these judgments labeled against the younger generation. And now instead of saying, hey, we want to see them go further, we see a generation say, I wish they would just get out of my hair. I wish they would just let us do. Are you tracking with me? But that is a disservice. That is a plan of the enemy in these last days to say, hey, let's divide. Because if we divide, we can't stand as tall. I share this illustration all the time. Many times in the church world, uh, we don't see things go as far as what I believe God has called them to go is because one generation builds and God moves and they get it to here. And maybe it's a revival. It's a move of God. It gets to here. And then the next generation comes along. And instead of standing on the shoulders of this generation, they end up not working well together. So the young person goes off and does his own thing. And this generation only gets it to this place instead of building and working together the way God called them to. How many know you've seen that? Each generation only gets it to here and then they do a new thing. But if we could work together and stand together, we could see such a great move and work of God. 
I want to speak to every young person in here. This message is for you. You know, you're going to hear me share data. You just heard me mention that, you know, there's a generation that's sometimes frustrated with you. I'm just here to say this is a church that believes in you and supports you and is fighting with you and for you. Can I get an amen? And then to the older generation, I'm saying you have so much gifts and talents and values, and we're going to work with you to help you pass those on to the next generation. Amen. So it's not just optimism. I'm not just trying to come in here and say, hey, you need to be optimistic. I'm saying we need to have God-filled hope for the next generation. That's not just like positive thinking. It's saying, hey, no, we believe that God has a plan. Can I get an amen? I believe that we aren't living in a time where we caught the short end of the stick. We didn't draw the, oh, you're living in 2020, 22, 23. Oh, man, you really got it wrong. No, you were born for such a time as this, and God's got a great plan for you. I told First Service, I believe this, that uh, any time that was the worst story, the worst part of the Bible, it was the worst times, the worst of things were going on, that's when God did his best things. Amen. Even though the world looks like chaos and all this stuff is going on, I believe we're about to see one of the greatest Bible stories we've ever seen. And it's working and moving when these generations come together and God moves uh, We say this all the time, and then I'll get into some scripture. We say this, people rise or fall to the level of our praise. If you talk about somebody up here, they get to here. Isn't that interesting? When you encourage and you speak life and you motivate, they usually get to there. They fall to the level of your, if you talk about somebody down here, oh, they're worthless. They're not going to turn out to anything. They're not any good. And people start to believe this. I mean, you know, the church needs to be the place in our community where we're speaking about people up here. We're speaking about the next generation. God's got great things for you. You have future and a hope, and you don't got to believe the lies of the enemy. Can I get an amen today? And so we're going to be that as this church. We're going to be a people who come in and speak life. I wrote it down like this. Much of what you walk in with confidence is because somebody affirmed that ability in you. If you look at the things you do well, if you look at the things that you're proud of about yourself, how did you get there? It's because you probably had somebody in your life saying, oh, they're so good at this. Man, you do such a great job when you do that. And, and you're what? You're, you're raising them to that level of praise. The church, again, has got to be the voice that comes into people's life and affirms the ability and the destiny that God put in young people. Amen. It's the thing. It's a foundation. It's a base that we have to have as a church. Uh, I want to introduce to you just the data uh, of Gen Z, Generation Z. Uh, Of course, each generation gets a different label. We have the baby boom generation and Generation X. And Gen Z was born roughly between 1995 and 2015. Uh, I'm a few years off of that. I actually had a really uh, depressing discovery about myself the other day. Uh, When I was a teenager, there was a show on TV called That 70s Show. Some of you have seen that before. And I remember I would see that. I didn't watch it very much, but I would see it on TV uh, when I was a teenager, early 2000s. And, uh, and I would watch that show and I would think, wow, the 70s, that was so long ago. Like, look at this show. It's crazy. It was 30 years ago, that 70s show. Do you know that they're rebooting that show? And it's called That 90s Show? And your teenagers are going to watch that show and go, the 90s, that was so long ago. So weird, the 90s. Yeah, that's, that's what I'm dealing with in my life right now. Uh, I'll give you another confession. Uh, I was going to introduce to you the slang that Gen Z uses. Because Gen Z is way more cool than us. And even that word cool isn't even cool anymore. So they're, they're, they're so much radder than us. Also not good. So I was like, you know what we should do? 
uh, I was talking to the staff. We had a staff meeting. I said, I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, to like, get some of the slang that they use, and I'm going to teach everybody about it. And I'm so not hip. I'm so not cool that we literally voted, you can't do that. It's not going to work. Like None of us could do it. None of Emma got really close. She could do it, actually, but the rest of us, it was a disaster, so you're not getting any of that. But here's Gen Z, and here's what's important for us to understand about this amazing generation. It's an amazing generation with all kinds of opportunity for the church to link up with and go far and make a difference. Gen Z, born 1995 to 2015, they make up about almost 25% of our American population. There's 74 million of them. They're one of the largest America's ever seen. The largest is uh, the baby boom generation and the millennial generation, and they're only short of them by just a few million. And uh, what's amazing about them is uh, they're the most connected generation ever. They have the ability to both text and jump on video. They're the most connected generation ever, but yet they're the most disconnected generation ever. They actually prefer isolation and to themselves and doing these, these things different, uh, the, the freedom to be uh, individualized. And so they have this thing. And uh, what's interesting to me, if you could ever take the most connected generation ever and get them to see the truth of the power of coming together and being unified, what a great move of God you could see in a generation, amen? Connecting and the, the, uh, the importance of being together. And so they have this connection-disconnection thing. <clears throat> but we see statistically, according to the Barner Research Group, two-thirds of them, so two-thirds of the quarter of Americans, uh, have either left the church or are leaving, on pace to leave the church. This generation is also two times more likely, twice likely to be, atheist out of any other generation. You say, well, we've seen some weird generations before. Uh, this generation is, is twice as likely to be atheist just based on the things that they see, the things that they view, the way that they've been uh, handled by the church. They're saying, I don't want anything to do with that. And so they're twice as likely to be atheist. Uh, only 3% of them read their Bible. So that means in a world of misinformation and distruth and bending lies and twisting all this kind of stuff, only 3% of the quarter of, a million, uh, of Americans uh, have the absolute truth, have God's word, have God's truth. I mean, you know, there is a great opportunity for us to reach a harvest if we go after Gen Z. Can I get amen? Uh, here's the way that the Barnard Research Group says that it goes. I'm 40. And then I had my parents, uh, you know, I won't say their age, but before me, and then their grandparents. And so the decline in discipleship and personal devotion went like this. My parents' parents would have been in a position with God where they know God. We know God. We know God. And then we saw a decline in discipleship and in church connectivity and different things like that. And so my parents' generation became the generation who just knew about God. Grandparents know God. Parents knew God. And now we see a generation that is saying no to God. They're saying no to God because it went from knowing to just talking about them instead of actually knowing and displaying and discipling. It was just lip service. It was just words. Last week we said we need people who model it, not motto it. Can I get amen today? And so this actually has been seen before in scripture. One of the saddest scriptures you'll ever see is this scripture that we're about to read here in Judges chapter 2 verse 10. We see that the children of Israel, they were set free from their slavery. 
They're in bondage. They uh, are, are just totally contained, stuck. They have no hope. They have no future. And God sends a deliverer and they're freed from Egypt. And the scripture says they're into the promised land. And one generation later, we pick up to see how they're doing. After they saw all the miracles, all the signs and wonders, all the hand of God, they saw all of that. And we see one generation later, this is what's said about them. Judges 2.10. It says, when all that generation had been gathered to their fathers, Another generation arose after him who did not know the Lord, nor the work for which he had done in Israel. Scripture goes on to actually even say it this way. It says they then did evil in the eyes of God and they worshiped various gods of the people. They made idols. They worshiped various gods of culture. What happened here is the children of Israel, they were led, they were set free. As Daniel was just saying, even in leading worship, uh, they, they had their salvation, but there needed to be a continual reminder of the joy of the work that God was doing. And they didn't pass it down to the next generation. They didn't make sure that they linked arms with the next generation. Therefore, the next generation knew God no more. If we want to talk about seeing an end time revival, if we want to talk about seeing God move and sweep across America and into the rest of the world, it's only going to happen if our generations get together and work together and pass it on generationally. Can I get an amen? Our basic has got to be one of our basics, our foundations, is that we care about generations. Can I get an amen today? I thought about it like this. This Gen Z generation was created just like all of us on purpose for a purpose. God didn't make a mistake. He didn't get lazy between 1995 and here. And data says, oh, Gen Z this, Gen Z that. No, no, God has a great plan. As a matter of fact, that generation's not a mistake. It's God's masterpiece. And I believe he's going to do great and mighty things for his kingdom through our Gen Z. Can I get an amen? But as a church, we got to link arms and we got to connect. It's got to be one of our basics. Uh, Psalm 92 verse 13 says this, planted in the house of the Lord, they will flourish in the courts of our God. Scripture says, talking about the righteous. This chapter is talking about righteousness and righteous people saying, hey, if you can get people planted in the house of God, how are we going to link these generations? How are we going to get connected to reach America and to reach the rest of the world and make a difference for the kingdom? We got to be a people who are planted in the house of the Lord. Yesterday, my wife, uh, she made me rip out a bunch of plants while she Googled the one she wanted to buy that I had to plant. Just kidding. We worked together on it. We did. But these plants were planted. They'd been there for five or six years. And because they were planted, they had established roots. I mean, you know, I couldn't just walk over to the little small pine tree and what are the names of everything else? Hostas, Bargonias. I don't know what they are. <laughs> Is that even what thing? It's a hybrid one. You don't know about it. <laughs> but... They're planted. They're rooted. How many know I couldn't just walk over to it and go, where do you want to move this one, babe? Where do you want to move this one? It says a good thing. No, it, it was planted. It was hard to move. How many know what I'm talking about? So when Ephesians says that you need to stand your ground, stand firm, be, be put on the full thing so that you can stand against the schemes of the enemies, it's hard to stand. It's hard to be what God's called you to be if we're not people who are planted, the scripture says, in the house of God. In the ways of righteousness, the scripture gives us a promise says, hey, if you're planted, if you got your family and you bring your family and you plant them and you stick them, the scripture says that they're promised to what? Flourish. I mean, you know, we want some flourishing families. We want to see God doing great things in our families. What do we got to do? We got to plant them. Let me say it to you like this. There is a 0.0296% chance that your child will become a pro athlete. 
Think about all that goes into our kids' sports. Back in the day when I played sports, they used to respect Wednesday nights. There would be no practice on Wednesday nights because church group. There would be no Sunday morning because church. We had to respect. Now you got parents driving kids all over the place. They got summer, spring, winter. Uh, They got swinter, which is summer and winter ball. I don't even know what it is. You know, they got all this stuff made up. I'm into the hybrid stuff. You guys don't know about the new stuff. I'm cool. Em and I, we get it. Got all this stuff that they're going to. They're traveling all over the place. They got all this kind of stuff. You got a 0.0296 chance that your child becomes a pro athlete. Some of you dads in here are like, so you're saying he's got a chance? That's not what I'm saying. I'm saying it the other way. I'm saying it the other way. But you have a 100% chance that your child will stand before God. There will come a day with a 100% chance that that the life that he had given you as a parent and and to raise that child and that next generation, there's a 100% chance. There's also a 100% chance that they will face the schemes of the enemy on a daily basis. That with social media and all the things that they have to do. So how much more so should we be supporting their spiritual life and modeling what it looks like to, to lead in righteousness in the way God's called us to? We have to be protective in that way of the next generation. Jess and I, uh, again, I'm 40. She's a little bit younger than me just because it's a holiday weekend and, and nobody's watching online. I could actually tell you this. Um, I was a youth pastor and she was one of my students. So... <laughs> Put that in the paper. Put that in the paper. Mm-hmm. Um, you got to raise them up, you know? You got to. I love it when I can get Doug to shake his head like, no, no, that, there was a line, and then you just went over it. And with Facebook Live, you can't edit it. He used to be able to edit it all, so we dated after she graduated. Calm down. Um, and so, anyway, our generation is where you, the band loves it because they're all corrupt. The band is always corrupt. They can't get enough of that. Um, so our generation is, is the first generation that got all, all hyper about parenting. Um, the helicopter parent generation came in. You're worried about everything that your kid's doing. You're so worried about everything that they do, you know. Uh, so, hey, you want to go over to this thing? Oh, I don't know if we can go there. I don't, the paint might be lead paint. We probably shouldn't go. It's an old building. We shouldn't take the kids in there. Um, hey, we got this birthday party coming up. Is there going to be sugar there? Of course there is. It's a birthday party. If your kid don't want sugar, don't bring them to the party. So, so worried about everything. Like, oh, hey, hey, come on over. We're grilling some hamburgers. Where'd you get the beef? Is it a cow that was fed grass? Does yoga three times a week to Nora Jones? That's the only kind we eat. <laughs> They're also we're soap. Like, hey, I'm going to use some soap. And then you know, Jess and everybody's like, oh, don't use that soap. Don't use that. Why not? Well, because it's got chemicals. Yeah, no, I want it to clean this. I want it to clean that. No, no, we use this. Well, what's this? This is lamb's breath. <laughs> well, what is it? It's just air, but it cleans stuff good. Yeah, we don't use any. I'm like, I'm a kid who like drank out of the sink uh, and it still had bleach in the bottom of the cup, you know, and I was, I was, it was no problem. As a matter of fact, when I was a kid, I ate gum that like taking the wrapper off was optional. You guys remember fruit stripe gum? Yeah. Oh, it's so good. It dyed your mouth and it tasted terrible. But you're like each day, like, am I going to take the wrapper off or I'm going to eat the thing? I'm going to eat the wrapper, you know, <laughs> turned out fine. Now everybody's like, oh, they're so freaked out about all the things that their, their kids are going to do. I wish we'd put that much care and concern into the spiritual life of our young kids. I wish we'd say, hey, this generation's really matter, and we need to make sure that they're getting a good protection in their life. Can I get an amen? 
Uh, and so there was a generation that knew God, knew about God, and now a generation saying no to God. And I think we're on a really bad road. Part of it is because of COVID. And, and I realize it's a holiday weekend, so many of you are watching online. I'm not pre- preaching at you. But COVID did this really bad thing for church world is because of online streaming and because of just being able to watch it later, uh, COVID has created a culture that says, hey, Sunday morning church is optional. Oh, we'll just watch it later. Hey, what do you think? You want to go to church? Should we do that? Ah, we can just watch it later. I think the stat I said in first service, I, I can't remember exactly. I think it's 17% of people they say in church actually go back and watch a sermon later if you miss. A very low percentage. Now, I know many of you do because I'll get texts saying, hey, we were out of town. I just caught up on the sermon and you guys will message me. But it's a very low percent that says, hey, we'll go back and watch it later. So what I'm saying is we've made church optional. And then catching up on it is even even less likely. And what we're doing is we're showing a culture, we're showing a next generation that God's house is optional. Eh, Maybe later. And you say, well, no, the online experience is good. You know, I see online a lot of people saying, no, you know, church, we're the church. And where we go, we're the body of Christ. And that's church. But, But you wouldn't apply that to some other gatherings in your life. Imagine if I said this to you, hey, this year, Christmas. Because you can do Christmas online. This is what we're going to do on Christmas morning. Everybody's going to wake up and you're going to stay in your rooms and we're all going to get on Zoom and the family's going to watch each other open presents online. It's going to be great. How many know it's missing a lot? And the church is missing a lot when you're not here. The church is missing the gathering together. That's why God said in the last days, when it gets hard and you're tired and you're struggling and you're beat down because we all are. That's why God said, don't give up on that. The gathering together and being together. It's good when we come together. Michigan, my favorite football team. You know, they played yesterday. Yeah, whatever. And, uh, and uh, they played yesterday. And, and listen, going to the game is not the better way to watch the game. The better way to watch the game is on the TV with replays and commentary and all this kind of stuff. Why do 112,000 people, by the way, the most attending a college football game in history for how many years in a row? Because Michigan's a big deal. Uh, Why do they all go there and sit in cheap seats and get sweat on by each other and do all that kind of stuff? Because there's something about being together in a place that you love. How much more so should be that 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 should be the church in the house of God? Amen. And here's what we're doing. If we're showing the next generation that church is optional, then when it comes their time, it'll be unimportant. Yeah. Saturday night rolls around. What do you think? Should we go to church? I don't know. Maybe this, that, that. You're teaching that next generation that it's not that important. If it's optional to this generation, it's unimportant to the next generation. Here's what I think the language in your house should be on a Saturday night. Not training them uh, some of the excuses. You should be training them why you're going. Hey, what do you think? Sunday morning's coming around. Do you think we're going? We got this, 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 and this. Oh, yeah, we got this, this, and this, and this. But we're starting with church. Can I get an amen? Jesus himself prioritized church. Jesus himself, the Son of God, prioritized church. Luke chapter 4, verse 16. So he came to Nazareth where he had been brought up. And as his custom was, he went into the synagogue on the Sabbath day, his Sunday, And he stood up to read. Imagine Mary on this one. Uh, Jesus, come on. It's time for church. You got to go to church. He's like, actually, uh, I don't. I'm perfect. I'm perfect. I don't need to go to church. 
Mary's coming over here. Hey, Mary, uh, Jesus, come on, let's, let, let's go to church. No, 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 I'm good. Uh, oh, come on, Jesus, you don't know it all. He's like, well, actually, <laughs> I have all wisdom. If Jesus made it a priority to be in church, how much more so should we be people who are in church showing the next generation the importance of church? Can I get an amen? Uh, I believe in vacation and you taking vacation and having pace. I'm not, I'm not up here trying to be that cranky old preacher who's saying you need to be in church every week. I'm not saying that. But what I'm saying is we need to be passionate about the house of God and make it priority. Amen. I got one point. This is my last point. It's one point only. So here's what we're going to do uh, as a church to make sure that we're reaching the next generation. We have a great harvest field in Gen Z and every other generation as well. But we have this great opportunity with Gen Z to reach them and to love them and to care for them and show them that this is a place for them. But I think the place that and the posture that we need to be as a church is this point. We need to be a people who pray for this generation. I thought about it like this. Uh, if we prayed for the next generation as much as we complained about them, they would all just turn into Jesus. Everybody's walking around. Did you see what they're always on their phone? Did you see what they want to do next? Da, da, da. And I love Gen Z. This church is for in the next generation. We're all about supporting and connecting. But people walking around, oh, those young people skateboarding on the sidewalks. Look at them. If we prayed for them as much as we complained about them, boom, there'd be a transformation in their life. Here's one of the things I think we need to pray for them. We need to pray that they have a fear for the Lord. They, they understand and they get a fear of the Lord, uh, not a scared of the Lord. But what we know as fear of God, which is to respect or reverence or show honor, it's even bigger than those words, but those are just some, that they get to a point where they have this great reverence for God. If you're a church kid, you're going to know what I'm talking about. You grew up in church, and because you had fear of God and reverence for the Lord, um, you couldn't even enjoy it when you made bad decisions. I'm going to do something bad. I'm going to go do something bad. And you're out there doing something bad, and you're like, ah, I'm not enjoying this. Why? Because you had fear for God. Uh, I believe that we need to be praying for those kids when they go out there. When they're smoking that weed, you need to pray that they see Jesus and Moses and Elijah and they start hallucinating. And, and then they got a fear of God. Some of them are like, that'd be awesome, actually. If we saw that. But we got to pray for them that they get the fear of the Lord back. Psalm 34, 11 says, come, my children, listen to me, and I will teach you the fear of the Lord. It's important that the next generation has an understanding and a fear of the Lord. Another thing we need to pray for them is that they experience divine favor. When they get in situations where they're going through life and, and they make a good decision and they make the right decision and they're aiming their life toward God, I, I pray that they experience divine favor. Why? Because the scripture says that it's the goodness of God that leads us to repentance. When we taste and see that the Lord is good, it'll make everything else unattracted to, attractive to them. So we don't want any of that world. We don't want any of that stuff because of the goodness of God. And then we also need to pray for them that they have godly friendships. They have godly friendships. Uh, we said this in youth group all the time. Show me your friends and I'll show you your future. If you're running with this kind of crowd, that's where you're going to end up. But if you can make godly relationships and godly connections and, and, and like-hearted people, uh, we're going to go in good places. And so I said all this and built all this because we're in a position as a church uh, where we're going after the next generation. It's our mandate. It's our passion. We're going to say, hey, we're reaching and, uh, and, and we really want to develop. Many of you at the Legacy um, Miracle Offering uh, sewed into us reaching uh, the next generation. And so you'll see some of the improvements in the next couple months as all that launches. Um, but one of the things uh, that's been happening behind the scenes is uh, a team has been built. Um, and so I'm going to do things a little out of order, guys. But I want you to welcome to the front, Emma. Emma, come on up here real quick. Let me introduce you to Emma. This is Emma Nyhoff. 
I think our husband Brendan is out on security, keeping us secure. And um, I just want to introduce her to you because she, on a volunteer basis, has been leading up our student ministries from sixth grade to 12th grade. Uh, they've been meeting and building a team and just super proud of that team. She's actually um, not only doubled the volunteer team, uh, but she's almost on a regular basis doubled our entire student ministry attendance. Give it up to God for that. And so she came in on a volunteer basis, and she's a new mom. She's got just the cutest little girl, Kinsley, and um, she's come in as a volunteer and been pouring her heart into that. But we're excited to let you know today uh, that we are actually, uh, we just added her our staff. We've hired her on, so give it up to God for that as well. And so as a church, we're not just preaching a message on a Sunday. We're positioning ourselves to really be able to get in and connect and make an impact and, um, and let that generation know that we love them and that they belong here. And uh, her team is going to be a, a big part of that. So you be seated. Give it up for her one more time. So said that to say this, and just my last couple minutes together, I said that to say this, uh, I really am, am putting it on you, parents. Um, we are kicking off, as you heard in the video announcement on September 11, uh, this big gathering, this neon night. It's so much more than just the fun of neon night and free food and all that kind of stuff. Um, it's actually the first time the student ministries will be gathering in this room. Um, they'll be having live worship, a sermon, like a really cool just kickoff to it. And here's what I'm asking you as a parent. Make sure your student is planted here so that they can flourish in the house of God. Amen. I don't think you do the, uh, like, hey, what do you think? Do you want to go to youth group? And neon night looks fun. It's like, hey, guess what? What time do you want to leave? Because student ministry is important, and we're going to have our young people here. Amen. And I'm giving you my word as a pastor that it's going to be good. Their needs are going to be met. They're going to be in a safe place. And uh, we got a great team that's going to be able to take care of them. And uh, I also want to say, listen, if you got nieces, nephews, neighbors, anybody, we want as many young people here as we can. We'll take care of them. We'll feed them, which is step one in any team teenager's life, and uh, we'll take good care of them. And uh, so maybe for you, you even kind of think about, hey, who can we pick up along the way and make this a priority? Because I know God will cause them to flourish if they can get planted. Amen? And so we think that's a big deal. We want you to be a part of that. And then a couple other things I've already mentioned, but one of the ways that we're going to reach and build a strong foundation is through a few ministries that we've uh, already shared with you. One is Kids Hope. A couple weeks ago, we mentioned how we are able to get back into schools and mentor. Uh, you get assigned one student one hour every single week for the entire school year, and you get to do anything from help them with homework or play with them on the playground or her uh, on the playground. Uh, but it is such an important thing in our schools to show them and show these young people that the church cares that we want to live outside of these four walls. And so Kids Hope, if you signed up for that, I want to encourage you to make sure you get your application in. There's things that we got to get back to the schools in time. So if you got that email, make sure you get all that filled out. We want to get you plugged in right away. But Kids Hope is a way that we say, listen, this next generation matters. And, and, and as a church, we believe in living outside these four walls. And Kids Hope helps us do that hand-to-hand -hand as well. Uh, I just got word that about 47 families are going to be a, a part of Vertical Church's hand-to-hand -hand mission. And so that's a ton of families we're already able to reach and minister to and provide food for. And so if you filled out a sponsorship, I want to say thank you. Uh, if you're still praying about it, you have until September 10 to turn in your sponsorship, uh, but would just love to have as many people as possible to be a part of that. It's 40 bucks a month and you feed a family for the entire weekend for just 40 bucks. And so such a, a great value there. And um, that's like one Starbucks nowadays, right? So 40 bucks if you're interested in that. And then lastly, uh, I'll close with this. Um, is this amazing ministry we're just launching. We're partnering with uh, Lakeshore Pregnancy Center 
who has a ministry called Positive Options. And listen, the church is at a major crossroad, one of the most important crossroads I believe the church has ever been at. It's, and, and it's this crossroad of the Roe v. Wade Abortion Act. It's fine that we prayed for years and years and years for that to be overturned. And the enemy isn't scared if we don't do anything about it. You can pray and pray and pray and all that kind of stuff can be in place. But there's still going to be a great need for men and women. When we say men and women, we mean men have a part in an unplanned pregnancy as well. There's going to be a great need and a great opportunity and a great harvest field for the church to come in and be the light in these type of situations. So this Making Life Disciples ministry works like this. We want to have a team always available to any woman who comes in and says, hey, I'm experiencing an unplanned pregnancy, I'm considering abortion, or they're post-abortion and they need counseling, they need care. Every one that I've ever talked to, and data says most people who ever went through an unplanned pregnancy or was facing an abortion decision, they said the last place they would have ever turned is a church. What a huge shame and disservice of the Church of America. Can I get an amen? Well, we're not going to let that be said about this church. And so Making Life Disciples is a seven-week program, gets you uh, taught, encouraged, uh, built up on how you could be care in those kind of situations. And uh, it's led, again, by Positive Options Ministry, happens in our second floor sanctuary. If you have any interest at all, like right now, if your heart is like, man, I'm interested in being a part of that team, will you please sign up and check it out? Uh, don't, don't put it off. Well, it's busy. We're getting things put back together. No, jump in the app and register. Let's build a life team that's going to help change the narrative. Instead, when someone on the street says, hey, I have this unplanned pregnancy, I want the words to be said, oh, you better run to vertical. Right? We say, gosh, it <coughs> seems so hard between all the gender stuff that's going on and the sexual identity stuff that's going on and all the abortion stuff that we're, all of this stuff that seems so hard. How's the church ever going to take its place and, and build these foundations and reach the generation? I have an idea. Maybe it's because the same Christ, the same spirit lives in us that raised Christ from the dead. And he, the Holy Spirit, is going to be the one who helps us accomplish it. Accomplish it. Amen? Let me pray for you. God, we love you so much. We're so grateful for the way that you love us and lead us. Lord, we thank you for the helper, the Holy Spirit, who gives us power. God, we just lay surrender to you. We say, use us however you see fit. We call blessing on all these areas. We know that they will be successful as we submit to you. I thank you for it. In Jesus' name, amen.